kind of transition here into uh, what we're talking about. The whole year, right? This is the, hopefully it's just like a pulse in your spirit of faithfulness, growing in faith, being more faithful. Is that we make decisions by faith. It's, it's, it's harder than it sounds, right? Mm-hmm. It's harder than it sounds. <laughs> because here's the deal. If you're like me, um, I wake up in the morning, I feel like, you want to know what? Everything I'm going to tackle today, I can tackle. Only that's not true. I can do it as a human being, but as somebody who's following Jesus, I'm like, hold on a minute. Man, I've got to stop and really think about making faithful decisions, decisions that trust God, like thoughtful. Like, you know, sometimes I get into a place where I'm going so fast that I don't think about the decisions I'm making. And like being faithful is slowing down enough to consider, is this faithful or isn't it faithful? Right. And, and you got, I mean, you know, this is us, right? This is human beings that are like this. Um, so that's the overarching theme. And then we're actually digging into Peter's writings, first Peter and second Peter. Why would we do that? Okay. The guy was with Jesus. The, the guy faced the lowest of lows and the highest of highs. He, he navigated these messy waters of becoming faithful. Right, isn't that sometimes we just want a quick fix? Like if you can just tell me a couple things to do where I'm faithful in completion forever, okay? It doesn't work that way. It's a journey. It really is a process that we have to commit ourselves to, okay? is this idea of, of this is a process of growing in faith, all right? And who better to teach us? Now, I know you can say, well, Jesus is better. Of course he's better. I get that, okay? But Peter wrote this and going, man, I want to learn from this guy because, you know, he wrote this letter when he was older. You know, and, and isn't it funny, you know, the older you get, the more you look back on your younger self and you're like, well, I was so immature. I was so ignorant. I was so whatever, you know, and, and you know, the older I get, I feel that way. Um, and we're listening to this guy who's an older guy who's able to reflect back and he's telling disciples, here's how to navigate this. Here's how to, here's this messy at times, okay? It just is. And it's really amazing in chapter one, um, so he, again, I always I use I, I say this: Jesus and Peter would make horrible preachers. <laughs> he just they just would because they don't do what we want them to do, which is just okay. Tell me what to do and leave me alone, mm-hmm. right? Just tell me what to do. You want me to follow you? Tell me how to do it, and I'll do it, right? Um, and it's so interesting. He starts the entire first chapter practically. He gives us only two commands. The entire chapter is talking about what's going on right inside of me and you right now. He's like, that's where it matters. That's what matters, right? Because this isn't about just behavioral change, right? This is about changing from the inside out. This is about like there's, God, God isn't a behavior manager, okay? He is doing a miraculous work in people. And unfortunately, sometimes as disciples, we forget that, right? We, we think, oh, no, I just got to try harder. Hold on a minute, man. I need more faith. I I need to get out of God's way. I need to know that he is working miraculously inside of us, and we can't even imagine what that looks like. It's happening right now. Okay, It's it's inside out. And and Peter writes this amazing thing. This whole kind of first chapter, he's just talking about all this stuff that's inside of him. And I think that if we don't learn that, like what he's excited about, what's making him really like excited about being a disciple and excited about being faithful— then you want to know what? I think that we're going to probably try to take a shortcut and always be frustrated why we aren't more faithful. Okay? Shortcuts just aren't good spiritually. All right? They, they don't turn out really good anywhere. Um, but so here's, this is how, what I picture First Peter as. That's food, I know. I, I, for me, it's food. Stew. It's like he had this, and this is like, he puts these themes together. And it's this idea of like all of this stuff like churning inside of him. And I know, and I just got gross because now it's stew inside of you, okay? But the, <laughs> right, but, but here, you're with me here, right? Hopefully, it's, it's, this, it's all of these themes, okay? And if we don't pay attention to them in the first chapter, we don't understand the other chapters. We don't understand what he's talking about. We just think it's like this list of being a good person, okay? We just think he's just like going on and on and on about certain things, but no, he's made the stew. He's like mixed it all together, and he's like, this is what the Holy Spirit should be producing and building inside of you, and you know, what are some of those themes? Is, is, and you write this down, okay? We're not going to do an entire go back through the first chapter, but this is something that comes up over and over again is praise. 
Okay, that means giving God what he's due, verbally even, saying it. Man, you know what God gets? My praise. You know who God is? Awesome, right? Is we see this often, rejoicing, praising, okay? That might be the place. You might go, Keith, you just stop the sermon right there. It's going to be hard for us to grow in faith if, if, if just on the insides, we haven't even navigated the waters to praise God. Right. It, it, when it's hard to be grateful, when it's hard to think of good things. And, you know, it's interesting because you go, well, Keith, but life's not easy. Right. I mean, we, we get into car accidents. Bad things happen. People get sick. Life isn't just like this. Leave it to beaver kind of thing. But see, that's interesting is Peter even goes on. And he says, but you're, you're going to have trials and they're going to be short. All right. So so it's not enough for us to go. Oh, he didn't know what he was talking about is he didn't know how hard life is. Yes, he did. And he was like, we praise him. We rejoice in him. We live faithfully through hard times in order that the hard times will produce praise. Amen. That's what he says in 1 Peter 1. Okay, hopefully, hopefully you can tell the story of 1 Peter 1. I hope you can. But here's the thing is, is this is just part of that stew. This is that thing that has to be like inside of us, okay? Is he talks about new birth. We don't even, boy, I'll tell you what, if you're like me, I read the Bible, I see new birth, and I'm just like, okay, just cruise on by, right? And you know what's funny is, is Peter, and we'll see it more as he writes, um, he had such a, a pull and such a, um, a, a, a gratitude and such an amazement of this new birth, okay? It, it's funny because I think, you know, back in like the 70s, evangelical Christianity, you know, born-again Christianity, that's what it was called, and it was like those were the weird people. And then there were the normal Christian people, right? But the born-again people. And so you kind of had this weird kind of conversation going on, except what's really interesting is Peter was like, no, this is vital for us to understand. Like, like new birth. Okay, when a, when a child's born, right, you've never met that child before. That child is brand new, right out of the wrapper, man. I mean, it is right, like I've never seen, when Rory was born, you're like, I've never seen her before. When, when your children are born, like that's brand new. There's like no history. You know, I know, I understand the, the moms are going, no, there was a history. <laughs> Listen, there was a history with that child, okay? But what I'm saying is, is, man, their story is beginning, right? It's this idea, and sometimes it's so easy to take for granted. I was thinking about that, and I was like, you know what, man? I take my new birth for granted so often. Like, just how amazing every part of that process leading up to it was. Every part of how God worked. Every part of, like, I was even thinking the other day, uh, you know, I'm trying to remember if it was right before. I think it was, it was right before I became a disciple. And um, there was this girl that I had been dating that lived in another state. Okay? And I remember we had already made plans. She was going to come down and stay in my apartment with me. Um, I started studying the Bible, and I was like, oh, boy, I don't, I don't think this is going to be good at all, right? But, but I'm like, well, you know, like making excuses. I'm like, well, you know, I just kind of weather through the week, and we'll make it, and God loves me, and all that kind of stuff. And, and then, you know, um, my buddy who was studying the Bible with me, he's like, man, I don't know if that's a great idea. I just don't know. And I'm going, yeah, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm totally arrogant. I'm like, I'm, I know it's not a good idea, but I'm not going to tell him I think that, right? I'm like, no, yeah, I get it. And what's so amazing um, was the grace that God gave me because um, he just completely, like, I just stopped it. I just was like, this isn't happening. We're not doing this. And it, but it wasn't like anything that I produced inside of me. It was just like this, man, no, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And I was like, wow, God, how did you do that? And, and why I bring that up is because sometimes when I'm praying for people who are studying the Bible, I think, oh, man, it's going to be so hard for them to make good choices. And I'm like, hold on a minute. God worked powerfully in me to make a good choice that I didn't even necessarily want to make, right? right? And so it's just it's one of those things where, I mean, th- God is working. Think about it, okay? Um, this new birth, wait, I, I hate it, man. I hate that new birth. I hate that, you know, Peter says later in, in his letter in chapter 1, he says, you were born again, okay? And it's fascinating because that's only used one other time in the New Testament, and it's in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus, okay? And... Uh, and Jesus said, you shouldn't, like, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born again of spirit and water. You've got to be born again if you want to enter the kingdom, right? And it's, you know, th- this is such a hard thing in our society because there isn't anything more offensive than 
telling somebody that maybe they haven't had new birth, that they haven't been born again, that they still have to be made new by Jesus, okay? We just live in a society that we're so offended so easily, all right? And Peter's like, no, I, I love this because new birth is a good thing. Being washed of your sin is a good thing, right? And he talks about that, and we'll see over the chapters, man, this is a big deal to Peter when it comes to being somebody faithful. And so maybe, you know, that's a theme that we're going to see with him. And man, am I grateful for new birth? Am I grateful uh, for that? Uh, unfortunately, our world today minimizes that. It's sad, right? It just is because it's amazing, right? Here's the thing too Peter does. He, he, gets, he gets this, and I think we've got to get this too. What's temporary and what's not? Yeah. <laughs> okay. He, he says later in First Peter, he says, you know, our residence here on earth is temporary. Like all the stuff we worry about, that's a great question. Here's what I'm learning. From reading 1 Peter 1, what I learn is, um, you want to know what? I've got to ask myself a question when I start really worrying about things and getting anxious, getting upset. Is this temporary or not? Okay. That doesn't mean you don't deal with it, okay? That doesn't mean you go, you know, my job is temporary, so I'm not going to go in today. No. no. Hey, you know what, man? The uh, taxes are temporary. I'm not going to pay him this year. Okay, no, you can't do this. And my preacher told me. It's just temporary, man. Okay, and when you're in jail, that's temporary too, okay? Uh, but, but you don't want to go there. All right? But, but it's the idea of un- putting it in its rightful place. Sometimes we give first place to things that are temporary yeah. in our heart and in our minds and in our time. We give it first place. And going, hold on a minute, that's temporary. I, let, me, let me put it where it needs to go. I can be a great employee. I can put my heart and soul into, into being a great employee and being at work and it be like not third or fourth on my list, right? Because that's about integrity. He understood what was temporary. Okay, here's the thing. There's a word in First Peter chapter 1, perishable and imperishable, right? We don't use those words a whole lot. I think with food, like perishables, okay, things that waste away, all right? That's when we're reading that, just make it, just remember, he's talking about, he knows the difference between what's temporary and what's not. What's worldly and what's not, that's so important for us, okay? And if you want like a, maybe each and every day, that's your prayer focus, is just reminding yourself, okay, what's temporary and what's not? Remind me what's temporary and what's not. Remind me of these things. Please remind me of of what it means to praise you. Remind me of what it means about new birth, okay? It's every day. Because the thing isn't just about me giving you this information, and then now you're enlightened and you can go out and be like holy, Right? But it's the idea of let's write it on our hearts. Amen. Let's take that time to do that, right? So these are, these are all part of this, like, stew, right? And then here's this thing is, is you get the sense, I love reading, you get the sense that Peter just understands how precious Jesus is. He even uses a word. He says the precious blood of Jesus, all right? And, you know, if you watch The Lord of the Rings, it ruins that word for you, right? And it just ruins it because it's so weird, okay? But just get that out of your mind, all right? Now that I've brought it up to you, right? Don't think of that. <laughs> but, but it's this idea of I think we forget. It's, it, again, we forget that as disciples of Jesus, our, our ultimate goal isn't just like, oh, let me mindly follow you so one day I can be in heaven and not go to hell and do what you can do and my life won't be great here but you know heaven's better of going man I'm following a man who is absolutely precious to me Amen. like there's no one like him yeah. ever they broke the mold there's nothing like Jesus okay if we forget that you know what man Christianity gets boring yeah. right uh, if, if you haven't noticed I mean Christian songs aren't like top 40 right and I'm not saying some of them aren't good and all that kind of stuff, but what I'm saying is, is if Jesus isn't precious, singing the songs are just like, this isn't that good. Like, I don't know, maybe you like Taylor Swift better or something like that. Or, you know, back in the old days, like uh, Boys to Men. <laughs> there you go, right? We sing Boys to Men often in the van. Uh, but, um, but really, it's, it's the idea of when Jesus becomes precious to us, fellowship is different. Singing is different righteousness is different okay this is what peter is developing in this entire first chapter so when you go back and you're reading it okay but here's the, here's the interesting thing okay we're gonna we're gonna pick up with with this next command that he gives us actually here in first peter chapter one um do you remember the first command he gave us we talked about last week anybody remember that huh no that was the second one Yeah, set your hope. That's actually a 
a command. That was the first one in the whole chapter. Set your hope. You're going, hold on a minute. That's, you're, <laughs> you're extending grace to Jody. That's awesome. Okay, so that's the thing. But then he goes down here, First Peter chapter 1. Let's pick it up. And again, I just really encourage you, be able to tell the story of each chapter. All right, read it. Pray about it. Put it in your words. Don't change the words, but you know what I mean. Uh, we said verse 13 last week, therefore with your minds ready for action, literally like gird the loins of your mind. Be serious. Set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus as obedient children. Don't conform to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it's written, be holy because I'm holy. All right. There's a word for you right there, huh? He says, be holy. Boy, that is a misunderstood word, isn't it? Okay, holy. What is holy? Holy is like the things we think of are priests with robes and hats and staffs and all that kind of stuff. They they must be holy, right? No, read the news, (laughs) okay? We think of holy as things like, oh, but there's like, see, I grew up in a tradition, in the Catholic tradition, Right. So for 23 years, when you walked into a building, it's like there's holy water. I'm like, what the heck is that all about? (laughs) Like holy water. Okay, that actually scared me in college one time because the priest would he had this little scepter that he would sprinkle it on you, you know, and he would come down and I would rate how God felt about me that week by how much water got on me. Okay, I'm just that's what's going on in my head. Okay, for a year, the water never touched me. And it was like, he'd be right in front of me in the water, go, boom. And I'm like, oh, I'm so not right with God right now, okay? Little did I know, all right? But, but, the, but the thing about this is, that was the thing, is we saw holiness as things. There's paintings and pictures and statues, and, and, and the really spiritual people are holy, right? We've got to erase the definition of holy if we're going to follow this, okay? We're going to, listen, I want, we're, we're going to go back to the Old Testament, because right here, if you notice in your Bible... Right there in verse 16, he references the Old Testament. He quotes it. Be holy because I'm holy. Let's turn back to Leviticus chapter 19, okay? We're going to learn some things. We're going to talk about some things. Listen, here's the deal. We're going to talk about some hard things, all right? Um, And uh, I think we can do that. I think we can talk about real things. We're going to talk about parts of the Bible that you may have never talked about before. All right. And I'm not saying that like, oh, yeah, we're awesome because we're doing that. I'm just like, no, that's in there. Okay, is all the way back in Leviticus. How many of you Leviticus is your favorite book of the Bible? Nobody. Right. It's it's good, though. It's good, man. Leviticus, you know, you want some shorthand on like what the Torah is all about. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay, is is Genesis big picture, God chooses his people. Not because they're better, but because he loves them, and they're going to spread the word to the world. Exodus, God saves his people. Leviticus, or, or here's a better way. Exodus, God takes people out of Egypt, out of slavery. In Leviticus, he takes Egypt out of the people. Okay, he makes us holy. He teaches the people holy. In Numbers, he wanders. Isn't that great to know that God will be with us in the desert? Right? And then Deuteronomy tells it all again to the next generation, okay, in condensed form, okay? But Leviticus is about how can my people learn how to be holy? Could you imagine if you never had any idea whatsoever about that word, God trying to explain it, okay? So what he does and what makes us difficult, that difficult read of Leviticus, he teaches it physically through physical offerings. He teaches it like, like these object lessons, okay? which so much of the Old Testament is about, is let me show you physically what this is so you'll understand the spiritual aspect of it when Jesus comes, right? And so that kind of trips us up because we're like, man, they're killing animals. They have this altar. There's all kinds of, when do I sacrifice an ox? And when do I sacrifice a bird? And when do I bring grain? And when do I bring wine? And all these kind of things. And you just get bogged down, okay? But here's the thing in Leviticus, not only 19, but chapter 18 is very important, okay? So... Up until this point, really since probably chapter 11 in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 11, he's describing like what uncleanness is, okay? But much of what he has described up to this point has been kind of like ceremonial, okay? Those are the things we're like, what the heck are they talking about, okay? But he goes into Leviticus 18, 
And here's the interesting thing. There's a parallel that I want you to see with 1 Peter 1, what we just read, and Leviticus 18 and 19. In 1 Peter 1, he says, don't conform. Don't conform to how you used to be. Don't conform, because you used to be in the world. You used to follow the desires of the world. You used to be a part of the culture of the world. Don't do that. Rather be holy. Okay. Don't do that. Do this instead, okay? And it's really, really important because Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 19 follow that pattern, okay? In Leviticus 18, um, he talks about there were two prevalent things that were going on in the world, okay? And this is where, for us, can sting. Just will, okay? We, I talked last week a little bit about politics. Um, here, here's what I will tell you about politics. Uh, you might be totally interested in it. You might think it's awesome and fun and great and interesting and all those things, okay? Your political stance cannot go above Jesus as Lord. Amen. And you, I, you may not agree with that. You may go, you don't have any conviction, Keith, if you don't think that. Here's what's wrong with the American gospel. We have equated it with a political party. And I'm just saying, don't do it. Yeah. Do not do it, okay? And you're going, oh, see, I knew he was a total left-winger. Oh, I knew he was one of them conservative. No, 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 no. Here's the deal. Because once we politicize Christianity, you know what? We don't read the Bible clearly. Amen. Because we realize, hold on, Jesus and God, they had a lot to say about a lot of issues we traditionally say are liberal tradi- values. And he had a lot to say on issues that are conservative. Amen. Okay? If you've bought into it, here's what I'm going to tell you, okay? If you've bought into that, into the politici- politicization of Christianity, Pray for some, some, you know, just open our eyes, okay? That doesn't mean that we can't be interested in it. That can't mean that we don't have causes that we're passionate about, all right? But the causes need to be God's, not because it's a political party or we're looking for a person to follow, okay? Because you know when that happens, we just get super disappointed, and then the world stops believing in God, okay? And so we don't want to do that. In Leviticus 18, he says, here's the practices that I do not want. And you know what he described? A completely, um, just a completely wrecked sexual system. Yeah. Okay. And and I know it's like oh thin ice walk on that no 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 here's the deal is we got to get really good at looking at the Bible yeah. okay because here's what happens people go okay he's going to talk about sexual ethic he's going to talk about he- healthy sexuality um, hopefully we don't have to continue going back over the same thing going no no but. Even when we disagree with people, we don't treat them poorly. Amen. We love everyone. There, there's no loophole, okay? So I hope we don't have to just keep banging that drum here as we talk about these things. But my mind and your mind, we need to be aligned with what God is saying. And he said, you want to know what, guys? To be holy, look around the world, the land you're about to take in Leviticus 18. He says the sexuality is off the chain. People are having sex with their mom and their stepmom and their sister. And all of that's happening. He's like, you cannot do it. He says that men and men are having sex together. He says, don't do that. That's not political. Okay? That doesn't, he doesn't say how to treat people. But he's saying, if, if your angle is, no, man, that's, I, I will not follow that. Understand something. God is teaching on this, okay? And he's saying, look around at the sexuality. I want you to do that, okay? I want you to look at our world right now because we try to normalize sexuality. And I want to tell you, Slavery in the world is alive and well, okay? And, and you want to know what? I know in the South we get indignant about slavery, but I don't see us being indignant about this kind of slavery. I just don't. I don't see us being indignant about the sex trade, human trafficking, all right? And the thing about it is, is God, what we're going to learn about God is saying holiness is about how you treat people, okay? And if you're treating somebody the way God wouldn't, you're not being holy. It's that simple, all right? And so here's the deal is, is he's saying, look around you. I want you to think about the world we live in right now, okay? Here's what I want you to do. If you can't, if you can't do this just because it's going to be too much of a temptation, don't do it. Have somebody come with you. Google most search for terms in pornography. Now, understand something. Pornography isn't like, I know most people think, oh, no one does that. <laughs> That's ridiculousness, yeah. okay? It's, the industry is bigger than you can possibly imagine. It's more powerful than you can possibly imagine, okay? So if you think that, I had a brother come up and tell me in Tallahassee one time, he goes, Keith, you talk about pornography a lot, but I mean, nobody here is struggling with that. I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) You're lying to yourself, okay? 
But here's the deal is, is go look at how depraved our society is, of what people are searching for, all right, to look at about all of the things that are going on in our religious world that is molesting children. And, and it, we can't hide behind this idea, oh, yeah, well, everybody's not perfect. No, 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 no. That is no excuse. We've got to be real about the sexual ethic of our world. It's depraved, okay? It's, you know what, I, this breaks my heart about raising a daughter, but ladies in here, you know this, and raising a daughter, I know this, the world destroys you. They don't want to protect you, okay? When God is talking, you know what's great about holiness? He's teaching us how to protect one another. Amen. He's teaching us how to love one another. This is what the good news is. Unfortunately, is, is sometimes it's so political, we can't even talk about the good news because everybody's all riled up about, oh, so you're condemning this and you're condemning that group. No, no heck no, okay? In fact, the group that God is saying don't be like, he wants his people to reach them, <laughs> He wants them to come to him, okay? So his, it isn't that Jesus is being this arrogant, like, don't like those people. You'd be better than that. No, no, no. He's saying, listen, don't do this because it's of its inherent, like, just issue with how it treats people, okay? And that's the important side of it. When we're taking a hard look at our world, whether it's the state of our world sexually, whether it's the state of our world politically, whatever's the state of our world environmentally, you know, whatever it is, all of this holiness is, you want to know what? You, you, you do to other people only what God would and has done to you. Amen. Okay. And here's the thing about it is, is there's a lot in the Bible you can go, but I can make arguments against this. And what's wrong with all of these things? But he, he tells you, he said, you are not to sleep with a man as with a woman. It's detestable. He even goes on and says, y'all are having sex with animals. That's the culture. That's what the people are used to. Okay. What makes us think? that we aren't affected by our culture? What makes us think that we have it so on straight, right? When God is saying, no, the people you're from, the culture, you're going to want to do these things. And for us, we think, oh, man, no, because I go to a church that teaches the right thing. I'm I'm immune to this. We're part of the culture. That's why we have to be serious about this. Okay? And this isn't a political thing. It just is real here. We've got to, like, look into this and go, God, what do you want and what don't you want? What is your good news and what's, what's the world trying to teach me here, okay? And then it goes into Leviticus 19. So Peter said the same thing. Don't conform to those standards. Don't conform to what the world is doing, okay? And then in Leviticus 19, the Lord spoke to Moses in verse 1. He says, speak to the entire Israelite community and tell them this. Be holy because I, Yahweh, your God, am holy. Okay, so after this, this message of not only was the sexual ethic um, absolutely off the chain, horrifying, um, people were killing their children. He said, don't do that. People thought it was a religious right to pass through the fires of Molech, it was called. Okay, and there was a, you know, this, this pagan god, Molech, who thought, man, I could sacrifice my child through that. That's what they thought of life. Can you think of, can you absolutely even wrap your head around that? That you would take a baby and put it and burn it to death. Okay? That's the thing is, is here's the deal, man, is regardless of anything, we're going, they had no, like, there was no, like, dignity of humanity. And, And it's interesting, when God created everything, he made human beings very different. He lavished grace on human beings. All right. He gave human beings the ability to rule over the world, even. He said, listen, y'all be stewards of this world. Okay? Yes, that means taking care of our environment. Right? You're going, hold on, Keith, you were doing good. You were total right wing there for a second, man. That was awesome. Come on, Fox News. You know? But now you had to go on over to CNN. Okay? Go, no, 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 no. Listen, God told us, do you take it seriously? Because he said, he said, listen, you rule over all the fish and all the animals and the planet. He said, it's yours to take care of. And you go, man, what's my report card like? All right. Again, we stop reading. If it's political, if it's American theology, we don't listen to any of that stuff, right? And so he says here, you be holy. 
because I am holy. And then he goes on to teach us. And we're not going to do this entire chapter just today, but we have to go through this entire chapter, okay? And I was reading it, and let me tell you the number of times I was like, I'm not going through this entire chapter because there's parts in here that I'm like, this is too hard. This is stuff that preachers don't preach about because it's too difficult to explain. We're going to go through it, okay? <laughs> because here's the deal is he's saying right here, Peter is actually saying, be holy because I'm holy. I'm referencing, right, the Old Testament, okay? So if we're... For us to go, oh, yeah, I get it. Be holy because you're holy. That means what I'm going to do is I'm going to be quieter because holy people are quiet. <laughs> holy people are quiet. And holy people dress like a certain way. You know, they don't, you know, I don't know how unholy people dress. <laughs> you know, maybe you can, <laughs> like holy jeans? No. Uh, but, but the thing about it is, is, is we have this idea and go, no, no, no. Let's find out what holiness really he's talking about here, okay? So, so again, I'm going to look at, we're going to stop, okay? So don't be like, oh my goodness, we have so far to go, okay? No. Um, he says, be holy. Verse 3, kids, listen, hear this. Open your ears. Adults, open your ears. All of us, each of you is to respect his mother and father. Um, you know, that doesn't stop when you get older, <laughs> Each of you is to, because all parents are perfect, right? And all parents deserve it, right? No, we know that's not true. How come God didn't like give us like a caveat there? How come he didn't have like a sub note? Like, no, no, unless, you know, these situations. No, no, no. He says this. He's talking about being holy. Kids, you want to be holy? Adults, we want to be, respect your mother and father. Okay. Does that mean if they're like, uh, listen, if your parents say, stop being a Christian, okay, does that what that mean? Oh, I need to respect you, so I'm going to stop, you know, no, no, that's not what it's talking about. Respect, you understand what respect is? Respect is, is about thinking of them and giving dignity to them, even if they don't deserve it. Has God ever done that to me and you? Has there been any, kind, any time when God has, like, treated us in a way we don't deserve in a good way? <laughs> Okay, so let's not make it so hard when it's going, but my parents aren't that good. Okay, well, I'm not that good either, and God figured out a way. Okay, so that might be a thing you're going, you mean holy people? They respect their mother and father. He says, you're going to keep my Sabbaths. You're going, oh, I don't do that. I don't even know what that means. Hebrews takes care of that, okay? We'll, We'll go through that. But he tells his people, he says, you have to learn about this. You have to learn what this means, okay? I am Yahweh your God. Don't turn to idols. Don't make cast images of gods for yourself. I am Yahweh. That word idols, what it, what it, what it sounds like or what it, what it kind of has a meaning for is nothings. Don't make nothings, all right? You remember, when, remember when Paul said, those idols that you have, they're really nothing. He's going, man, we put things up to worship and to pour our time and heart into that are nothing. Yeah. Remember Peter talked about that temporary we're going, we're, man, it's so easy in our world today to worship things. You're going, man, that, you know, go, but I would never, no, no. When you put your time, effort, energy, heart, obedience into something, it's worship. It could be work. It could be sports. It could be whatever, okay? He's like, don't do that. If you're going to be holy, think about that. I think we need to probably spend some time thinking about if there's idols in our life. Yeah. Like, being serious about that. Like, get rid of them. Yeah. And I don't mean like, no, but I don't have any physical, no, no, no. Like, we're really talking about, has something been set up in, in your life? Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a thing. Maybe it's things, right? Here's what's cool. When you offer a fellowship sacrifice to the Lord, sacrifice it so that you may be accepted. It's to be eaten on the day you sacrifice it or on the next day, but what remains on the third day must be burned up. If any is eaten on the third day, it's a repulsive thing. It won't be accepted. Anyone who eats it will bear his punishment, for he has profaned what is holy to the Lord. That person must be cut off from his people. He's like, listen, the leftovers, the three-day leftovers, you can't eat those. Okay, that's what he's telling you. But he's saying there's a fellowship offering. The fellowship offering is awesome. It's amazing, okay? It's where you, you know, you bring the ox, and the meal is shared between the priest, others, and, and you. It's a meal. And... The intent of it is to be able to say, we're all together. The intent of a fellowship offering is shalom. You know that word? Shalom doesn't just mean an absence of war. It's not just peace is something without war. It means wholeness, completeness. 
So when you offer a fellowship offering and you sit down with your others, your friends and your family and the priest who is making this sacrifice, he's, 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 inter, he's an intermediary between you and God. You're sitting down, you're going, I'm at peace with all of us. That's what this fellowship meal means. We're all together. I'm not hiding anything. We're whole. My relationships here on earth are whole. My relationship with God is whole. Okay, that's awesome, isn't it? Isn't that amazing? I think we should have more meals like that, okay? He's, he's going, no, sit down and talk and be whole with everybody at that table. Okay, I love that. I love reading that. But anyway, um, don't eat the third day leftovers, I'm just saying. They didn't have Tupperware back then, I guess. No. <laughs> Verse 9, he says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you are not to reap the very edge of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. So the gleanings are what's kind of left behind after the first time through. You ever go apple picking? A lot of people, you know, we have apple orchards around here. And, you know, you pick and you think you have a whole bunch and you look up and there's more up there. You're just like, wow, that's incredible. He says, here's the deal. When you're going out to your field to reap the harvest, don't reap to the very edge of your field. Don't go back. Don't go back if you miss some. You must not strip your vineyard bare or gather its fallen grapes. Leave them for the poor and the foreign resident. I am Yahweh, your God. <laughs> Leave him for the poor. Hold on a minute. That's my field. <laughs> That's my field. That's my produce. That's costing me something. All right? Boy, you really have to start thinking. He's going, you want to be holy? Yeah. You think about the poor and the foreigner. Amen. <laughs> right? It, it embarrasses me it, how much we've become as, as a country where we've all been foreigners. <laughs> how much we've grown to hate foreigners. It's, it baffles me, okay? But here's, he's, he's going, listen, you want to know what? You leave your field, on, you, you leave all that stuff. I don't know how much it would, it, they left out there, but he's like, you leave it. Why? Because there's poor people that need it. And because you know what? God helps the poor. Because we're poor. <laughs> all right? All of these lessons are, you guys need to understand to help the poor because I helped you when you were poor. Okay? Like, when you're a foreigner, I made you not a foreigner. All right? And so it's that idea of, man, holiness is about compassion. Holiness is about thinking of other people. Holiness is about meeting needs. Holiness is about, you see what I'm talking about? It's like God is going, I'm going to go through the people that you need to be in shalom, in peace with. Because that's who I'm, I'm in peace with you, and, and y'all don't deserve it. That's his message, okay? And so he goes on, and he said, listen, if you do that, what's that mean today? How often are you going through your budget and going, you want to know what? Um, there, there's, you, you ever do that? Like you can go and like find some extra money out there and you're like, you know what's sweet about that? I can go buy some new shoes. What if you like gathered up all the gleanings and you were like, I'm going to go find somebody to give that to. Okay. Or you were just like, I don't know what the edges of your income look like. <laughs> right. But it's the idea of I'm not. And here's the deal is, is I'm not looking at who's giving what. I'm not even talking about that. But I'm saying, has there been any thought given to what the edges of your field are supposed to look like? You know, like if you haven't thought about it, chances are you're harvesting it all for yourself. Okay? And so this is like, dude, think about it. Like if I, you know, in these days it was physical. If you walk by the guy's vineyard and you're like, dude has no grapes left. He's been going back over it six and seven times because he doesn't want to leave a single grape out. Like something's wrong with that dude. He ain't holy. He is, you know, it's like, don't, no, 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 it's mine, you're not getting it, you know, and you have these, these ideas, like, this is the thing, well, if they're poor, it's for a reason, of course there's a reason, of course there's a reason, so we're supposed to punish them, <laughs> right, no, God says, you got a vineyard, you got grapes, you got stuff on the ground, you're not even going to be eating that stuff, just leave it, leave the edges for the poor and the foreigner, okay, I don't know, man. I think this is, we've, boy, and again, this isn't behavioral. Yeah. It's not behavioral. Yeah. Um, this is like the heart of God. Amen. It's the heart of God. It's not like, okay, I'm going to start giving more to the poor. Mm-mm. It's connecting your heart with the poor. Yeah. It's connecting your heart with the foreigner. It's, co- it's connecting your heart, not because you're a good person, but because how God interacted with me and you. I've gone, oh my goodness, you realize how often I have benefited from the edge of people's fields, from the fruit that's fallen on the ground, right? From people treating me in a way that they didn't have to treat me in a good way. Do you know how often I've benefited from that? 
And he's going, now you do that from your heart, okay? It's good. This is good. I mean, you know, you read, wow, this is holy. Like not, it's, and some of you might go, that's sweet, less work, right? I don't have to go, because <laughs> you know, laziness is another thing. It's less work, okay? He says this, you must not steal. You must not act deceptively. Or lie to one another. You must not swear falsely by my name, profaning the name of your God. I am Yahweh. We felt kind of good about ourselves a second ago because we were like, I don't have fields. <laughs> I don't have vineyards, okay? He's going, hold up a minute. If you want to be holy, you can't steal, okay? Here's where Christianity and God in general get a messed up name. Because again, you know what, you know what Christianity is about? You know what God is about? Do's and don'ts. Just don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's not even what he's talking about. When you steal from someone, okay, when you take from someone something that's not yours, okay, that is an absolute disrespect of humanity. That's, I want what you have, and I don't care that you won't have it anymore. Okay? It's less to do with the act of burglary and more with how you treat people. Okay? So, so the truth of the matter is, is you may be sitting here and going, man, I do steal things. The Internet's made that easier frankly, okay? The internet's made it easier because we steal movies and we steal songs and we steal things and we're going, oh yeah, but you know what? All that trademark law and all those kind of things, copyright law, no, I don't know about all that. I don't know if that's all legit. If it was mine, I would be like, don't take it, (laughs) okay? Pay for it, man, you know? I'm like, oh man, I got this sweet deal on this software that was like $1,000 off and, you know, and all I had to do was to say I was like a part of the Aleutian Indian tribe and, and, uh, you know, they'll never figure it out. No. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't do that. Why? Just don't do it. No, no, no. Have enough respect for your brothers and sisters in humanity to not treat them that way. Because you want to know what God hasn't done to us? Treat us deceptively. He hadn't done it. Not a single time. All right? Has he ever lied to us? Not a single time. Has he ever stolen from us? Not a single time. Okay? And he's saying, if you want to be holy, this is how you live. This is what needs to be in your heart is you have to love people enough to not treat them this way. Okay, God's level of, of just how we should be with one another is so, like, so much higher than ours. He says, you can't, don't oppress your neighbor. Don't rob him. The wages due a hired hand must not remain with you until the morning. That's a thing in business, I guess. You, you know, I learned, I was talking to my neighbor last night. He goes, yeah, I did a job. He's a cement contractor. He said, I did a job for a company. They, they owe me $140,000. They're not paying me. I'm like, whoa, that's not... That's not that that that's a lot of money, right? I mean, <laughs> that goes without saying. But you know, it's this idea. He's saying, man, if you owe somebody something, don't wait till tomorrow morning to give it to them. Give it to them. If they work for you, if they earned it, like have the integrity to treat them well. He says, don't curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind. I mean, don't you love that picture? I mean, think about it in your head. Don't curse the deaf. All right, the deaf person. You're saying things cursing them, right? Because you're going, oh, they, it doesn't matter because they can't hear. Here's the, here's the lesson. Even if someone can't hear you, God wouldn't do that to you. Okay? Go ahead. Say, curse, curse out a deaf person. Say bad things to a deaf person. Hey, man, gossip behind people's back. They can't hear that. Okay? Here's the deal is, though, that's unholy. Amen. It's unholy. Right? Because God doesn't do that. And he, get, he puts this really cool illustration of like, oh, don't curse a deaf person. You're like, oh, yeah, wow, that's kind of funny. Don't put a stumbling block in front of a blind guy, right? There's this idea of, man, don't, you got to consider people. Just because he may never even know about it doesn't mean that we aren't guilty of it, yeah. all right? And so it's this idea about being holy. This is a really rich subject of being holy. And are you getting the idea that every single line God is teaching his people, you better be thoughtful about the people you're sitting around. Yeah. You better be thoughtful about your neighbors. You better be thoughtful, like putting some thought into it beyond Sunday. Like praying, serving, acting, not act, not stealing, not taking. In verse 15, he says, you must not act unjustly when deciding a case. Don't be partial to the poor or give preference to the rich. Boy, that's a lesson for today, right? Because isn't it easy to go, oh man, well the rich, they always get the benefit of the doubt, so the poor is always right. Now, the poor always gets the rough end of things, so that, you know, vice versa and all these kind of things. He's going, no, be impartial. If you have to make a judgment, if you have to help people, if you have to, like, figure something out and be a mediator, 
like be impartial. That's a good thing, all right? But I don't know if we equate this with holiness. You're going, man, Keith, this doesn't sound like fun. This is, like, when's the good stuff start? <laughs> okay, I get it. Fields and, you know, stealing and all that kind of stuff. And it, but he's saying this is what he means. Be holy because I'm holy. Verse, um, in verse 16, he says, don't go around spreading slander. Don't jeopardize your neighbor's life. You must not harbor hatred against you. Isn't this amazing how relational holiness has become now? Isn't it amazing? Holiness is about relationship. Don't slander. Don't slander. Don't, don't make something or somebody look bad when it's not true, even when it is true. <laughs> okay? Don't slander. That's a big one. I think without, without being thoughtful, isn't it easy? Isn't that like the cool thing? I mean, kids, like my kids come home from school, and it's like that's the first thing that can happen sometimes. Man, did you hear what happened? Did you hear what happened with so-and-so? You don't know what I heard so-and-so did? You don't know what I heard? Hey, man, you, you, know, and the, you know, in middle school and high school, the stories are crazy weird, you know, but they don't get much unweird as we get older, okay? And so it's that idea of, you want to know what? I can't stop people from slandering but I can keep me from doing it. I can have enough respect for humanity to not slander. Okay. I can have enough. I can be dignified enough because you want to know what? If God wanted to go, listen, dude. Okay, Keith, let's go. You slander and I'll slander you. Who's going to win that one? Except God's wouldn't be slander. It'd all be true. (laughs) Okay. But the thing about it is, is God is saying, listen, I don't get in contact with how God treats us in order to be holy. Because it, then it goes out from there. Amen. Don't harbor hatred. Okay, you go, man, I'm harboring hatred. It's being unholy. See, you're not being holy. Okay, that's how the old world was. He said, rebuke your neighbor directly, and you will not incur guilt because of him. You know, you got something to say, say it. You know, don't sit. You ever done that before? Like, I've done that before, where you sit around the house, and you're like, you know what, I ought to tell that guy. You know what I'd say? I go, I can't believe he's doing that. He took my, sh-, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, you're just like, uh, if it's an issue, go talk to him. <laughs> you know, isn't it funny? Sometimes, man, it's easy to be a bulldog indoors. And then you go out and you're like, it's not like that anymore. When you're face to face, like, oh, hey, <laughs> needed to talk to you about something. And in your mind, you're like, I'm going to give it to him. You know, it's just like, come on, just talk to him. Don't take revenge. Don't bear a grudge. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, I am Yahweh. Okay. And, and, and I'm going to read this. Li- We're going to finish with this one because he gets weird right here. All of this. Okay. We're like, I get this. It's relational. Come on. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm getting it. Uh, you know, we're all thinking, we got this, but other people need to hear this. Okay. No, that's not true. Uh, but the thing about it is he's going, he's going, he's going. And then he says, you're to keep my statutes in verse 19. Don't crossbreed two different kinds of livestock. What? <laughs> you had me up until that point. Don't crossbreed two kinds of livestock. Okay. Don't sow your fields with two kinds of seed. Uh, come on, man. Like, it's just, we're losing momentum. <laughs> right? We're losing elevation. Danger. Or put on a garment made of two kinds of material. Okay, every one of us, we have garment with two kinds of material right now. We're all in trouble. We just learned the secret of holiness. It's one kind of material in your garment. (laughs) Okay, no. Okay, this takes a little bit of like poking and prodding. This takes a little bit of like, hold on a minute, what was he talking about? Like, hold on a minute. You went from literally talking about stealing, oppressing, and you're like, oh, by the way. Your ox and your donkey, don't breed them together. It's almost like I forgot to tell you. Okay? In your field, don't put two kinds of seeds. Here's what's awesome. God begins, and there's this thread that goes all the way through God's story. Okay? And it's this thread of um, not being yoked unequally. Don't mix two things that should not be mixed. Okay? 
don't do it, okay? And he's starting to teach that slowly, okay? Now, they understood it as, oh, hey, make sure, hey, hey, Jethro, when you go out there, don't plant the rice next to the corn, okay? I mean, come on, dude. Don't, look, are you wearing your nylon shirt again? Man, I put cotton in that thing. No, no. They had to follow that, okay? For us, he, here's the deal is, is in the New Testament, this gets developed into, you want to know what? What does light have to do with darkness? Okay, he's starting to teach this lesson. Okay, this is the beginning of their teaching. Okay, understand that the audience that's hearing this, they didn't know Jesus. They didn't know David. They didn't have the Psalms. They didn't have, they didn't have the history of, of, of God. They didn't have all this. Stuff. This is brand new. And he's saying, how can I teach them this? Okay, we've got to start somewhere, okay? Go back to your kindergarten class and see how they start teaching math. Like, that is so elementary. You mean like one bean and one bean and two beans? You know, you're like, that is so elementary. They should be way better. No, no, no. When you're learning something new, you need it absolutely elementary. And he's starting this teaching of going, listen, there are times things that should, be to, should not be together do not put together. And that gets developed later. He, he develops it more. Don't marry outside of your faith. Christianity, he develops it even more, and he talks about even business relationships, marriage relationships, all of these things. He's, this is, it becomes like more and more, like we get that, okay? So if you've read this, and maybe you've never opened Leviticus before, okay, because you're kind of scared of these parts, <laughs> okay, you're okay wearing the shirt you're wearing. You're okay if you have a garden, and there's two different kinds of things in there, okay? You, you, you are. You, you're okay with those kind of things, but don't miss out on what he's beginning to teach. Okay? It's, not a lo- it's not a small thing okay? because he's going to continue to teach um, that, um, in fact, part of this, that it, this is a really weird word right here. Um, uh, down, down in verse 23, we'll talk about it next week, he actually talks about fruit that's uncircumcised. Okay? Yeah, you're like, what kind of picture is that? What kind of PowerPoint is that going to be? Totally appropriate. Um, but, but the point being is, is God is developing this idea of I'm calling you out. Holiness is being distinct. Yep. Holiness is being separate. Holiness is God going, I'm calling you out, not because you're awesome, not because you're good, but because you're just like the rest of the world. And now I'm going to teach you to do this. And I'm going to teach you that holy and unholy should never come together. That's hugely important. These, these mes- this message that he's telling them, that's what makes people distinct. Amen. Is how you treat people. The stance you take. That's the distinction. It's not just acting weird. Yeah. Okay, that's not holiness. So uh, we're going to put a stop right there. Um, and what I would encourage us this week to do is study this. Keep reading First Peter tell the story of the first chapter maybe you have to go back and go what were those themes that i need to just like start burrowing into my heart but then i can start taking apart leviticus and going hold on a minute man i might need to stop at the fellowship offering and go well i'm not whole with people i'm not whole with god like that has to change all right so we're going to keep navigating this but remember be holy because God is holy.